This episode of Remnant Radio is brought to you in part by our sponsors at Kairos Classrooms. Have you ever thought about learning a biblical language as a supplemental tool in your biblical studies? Well, Kairos Classrooms offers real classroom environments with with classmates and a live instructor who can help teach you biblical languages, both Greek and Hebrew. You need to check out Kairos Classrooms today. Uh, The price for a single semester is crazy affordable for anyone, so check out the links in the description and use promo code REMNANT to get 10% off Kairos Classrooms. Check out Kairos Classrooms today. Discount code R-E-M-N-A-N-T, REMNANT, to get 10% off your semester. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the wonderful world of Remnant Radio. My name is Joshua Lewis. Today, we've got an episode of To Be Continued with uh, the Michaels, who are here with me. Uh, Today, we're going to be talking about Jonathan Edwards uh, and how he would view modern manifestations. Stay tuned. You are watching The Remnant Radio, a crowd-funded show where we interview pastors, teachers, historians, and theologians from different churches and denominations. My name is Joshua Lewis, and this is my co-host, Michael Roundtree. Together, we want to help you break outside of your theological echo chambers. If you're interested in learning about history, theology, or the gifts of the Spirit, this is the show for you. I got to meet myself. Uh, very, very excited about today's program. Got some really cool stuff. Uh, Michael Roundtree is going to be walking us through uh, some of the teachings and some of the writings of Jonathan Edwards. Uh, Miller and I will be kind of giving our thoughts on how we can apply that to today's principles. Obviously, Miller is going, or Roundtree will also be jumping in and talking about kind of these modern manifestations and, and how we should use uh, Jonathan Edwards' interpretation of what is written in Scripture uh, so that we can, in fact, judge those manifestations. A lot of really Really interesting stuff. Uh, uh, before we dive in, uh, actually, let's start with Miller. Hey, man, tell us about Monday's show. You got a lot of positive feedback. Kind of, kind of give us some yeah. of your thoughts on that before we, we we dive into some other stuff. Uh, I mean, I have a lot of mixed feelings. Um, that was a vulnerable episode for me, I, and I lost a little bit of sleep that night after after doing that, just because I I worried about the backlash that I'd receive. Um, and I, you know, I've had one you know, negative feedback, but by and large, it's been overwhelmingly positive. Um, so I, I'm, I'm thankful for that. Um, but, uh, you know, there's, there's been some, there's been other people who've reached out to me, a number who experienced similar things, uh, in general from other organizations, similar things from the same organization. Mm. Um, so I'm hearing more stories and, and that's disappointing, um, and hard, but at least I think, you know, the, the main feedback I've gotten is you helped me put language to what I was experiencing and mm. helped me made sense of the pain that I've had, which was sort of my aim and my intention Dude, did and you my also, hope. Did you see, so, did either of you guys see in the comment section on, on YouTube where a senior pastor of a church was like, he said something to the effect of, I've been abusing my congregation and I realize it now after watching this episode. Did you what? see that? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, pretty that. crazy. You saw it, Miller? So yeah, it was, it's having a positive effect. Hey, right. reach out to us shocked. if you if you want any help or thoughts. Like if if yes, you please do. Th- these guys have been pastoring. I mean, Michael's a dinosaur. He doesn't look <laughs> I'm, it. I'm he looks like a young. Days. He looks like a young yeah. whippersnapper. I'm not the ancient of. But days, check but this I'm... out. He didn't know who Mr. Beast was, so that'll that'll let you know. I mean, he's old enough to <laughs> counsel kids, pastors. I, I, was, I was telling Joshua, I was like, "Do you know who Mr. Beast is?" He's like, "Yes." I was like, "He does these collabs," and he's like. I know what a collab is. <laughs> I've been picking on them for this for weeks. He okay. calls me old. Okay. Michael, Michael, tell us a little bit about upcoming shows we got coming down the pipe. Okay, so Monday we have Trimper Longman the third. He's kind of the uh, the modern expert on the Song of Solomon. And so we're going to talk all things Song of Solomon. Is it allegory? Is it a single story? Is it a bunch of different songs put together? Uh, and number one. And number two, what, what does this teach us about love and romance and sex and uh, and the gospel? And so uh, all of that is going to be on Monday. Solomon on Sex is the title of the episode. Tuesday, uh, Doug Wilson uh, Josh and Doug Wilson, we're going to actually be traveling next week together. Yep. I'm going to be in a meeting. So you're going to do um, uh, an interview with Doug Wilson about Just War and, and Theonomy. Okay. I, I hate to miss that episode. But uh, anyway, it's going to be a great episode. Wednesday, the plan is, like I mentioned, we're traveling next week. So our Monday episode is actually going to be with us out of town. We're traveling for a conference we're going to do with Jack Deere. Uh, but on Wednesday, the plan is, as long as this conference allows for us, and we expect that it will, um, 
but we're going to respond to Chris Roseborough. He's had uh, he's had some really strong criticisms. I mean, to say the least, he's he's essentially called charismatics and Pentecostals not Christians. And so uh, anyway, so we're going to respond to that next Wednesday. And I think it's going to be a really important uh, episode. Yeah. And I would just say if you're out in the Houston area and you want to come to the conference, it's free, right? Mm-hmm. On the evenings, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we're all going to be there. Woods hanging Edge out. Church. Woods Edge Church. Uh, uh, Michael and Michael will be sharing words. You can hang out with me in the audience and chat uh, as we pick on them as they share words. No, I'm just kidding. We're not doing that. <laughs> uh, Michael, you want to introduce us to yeah, the topic? Yeah, sure. So uh, talk about Jonathan Edwards and manifestations. And uh, this was huge because just as a as a pastor of a church that's uh, that's in the charismatic space, if you will, that believes in all the gifts of the Spirit, this is something we're commonly asked. Like, what, what do you think about... What's going on at Bethel Church? What's going on at Toronto? What do you think about what happened at Toronto? And the Heidi revival? Baker scene. There you go. What do you yeah. think about Heidi Baker? What do you yep, think about yep, this? Yep. I feel like half my job as pastor is to answering the question, what do you think about dot, dot, dot? <laughs> sure. Not really. But um, anyway, so the subject of manifestations, early on when I started to believe that all the gifts of the Holy Spirit were for today, I read uh, Jonathan Edwards' work. So Jonathan Edwards, uh, famous Puritan, theologian, missionary, uh, pastor uh, of the 18th century, um, I think it was 1703 to 1758, something like that, uh, was his lifespan. And around the 1730s into the 17, or into the 1740s, uh, especially, you had the Great Awakening and uh, revival breaking out in his church. And he died uh, prematurely. In England, he d- he died young, yes, because of a in vaccine. His 50s, and um, and so. Uh, anyway, but uh, he had a lot to say about the revival because people were uh, a lot of people were criticizing it. Others, and, and so he wrote this book, this this work, this treatise called um, "The Distinguishing Marks of a Work of the Holy Spirit," and I found it to be so helpful in those early stages. I went back and reread it this week, and I was like, honestly, it really challenged me. And what was funny is that. Uh, you know, Jonathan Edwards is a cessationist, and he addresses that. He, you know, he's like, I, <laughs> I can do without prophecy is essentially what he says. And um, uh, so he's a cessationist, and yet he's so open to the manifestations. I felt kind of like a check in my spirit, like, okay, yeah, uh, like the cessationist is more open to some things than I am. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so what he does, though, is his text is 1 John 4, especially 1 through 10, and he walks through testing the spirits and all of the applications of that. And he just really, it's verse by verse. And Josh and I were talking about this by the show. And, and you know, one of the things Josh said, he's like, well, one thing we got to remember is Jonathan Edwards is not the Bible. Sorry. And I was like, oh, I forgot. It's the Protestant in me. <laughs> oh, <my laughs> but bad. I was like, yeah, but the points that he makes are pretty much like the Bible says, like, they're just like, it's it, man. This is it. So um, now the negative signs. So here's what he'll do. He'll go through. Uh, he's got three sections, negative signs, positive signs, and then kind of applies it. The positive sign is really his exposition. And that's when I that's why I say when I said this is it. What I meant is like he's just like outlining here's what the Bible says. OK, the negative signs is kind of uh, maybe there's a little more opinion in there, but it's really strong reasoning. And um, and he does he does quote scripture. But it's less expositional, still very helpful. Well, I just want to be clear because even in talking about this position, people who are watching will think, oh, you're using Jonathan Edwards, who's a cessationist and plays for my team, to justify your charismaticism, right? Like the, the <laughs> yeah. abuses, right? We're the first ones to speak out about abuses in our own camp, right? But at the same, we, we do believe that this is a, a healthy and honest way to. Uh, to judge manifestations today. So, you know, I used a quote recently of um, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, and people were like, oh, you're saying that Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones is some flaming card-carrying charismatics who hit people with his coat? It's like, whoa, whoa, settle down. I just said he believed in the gifts, okay? That's all I said. I said he believed in a second baptism. Like, I'm literally just quoting him. Like, this is his quote, yeah. you know? Uh, so let's let's use this for what we're using this for and not, not pretend like Remnant Radio is, you know, endorsing... Right, right. The, charismatic excess. So, so yeah. So Jonathan Edwards, his, his real goal on one hand, he's, uh, he's addressing people that he accused, that he'll say, uh, he describes them as being over credulous. Basically they believe everything. They're naive, but then you have the other group that are the skeptics and they're standing back. And so he has something to say for each of those. So, uh, when I say negative signs, what I mean is what, what he's talking about is 
ungrounded accusations that a work is not from God. And so he's like, just because it's this or just because it's that doesn't mean it's not a work of the Holy Spirit. So people will point at these different things and say, aha, aha, not a work of the Spirit. And he says, aha, that has nothing to do with whether it's a work of the Spirit. So that's the negative signs. And then the positive signs are, here are the things to look for. If these are present, it is a sure sign of the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, um, we have a handout that I didn't intend to make a handout. I kind of accidentally made a handout because I just reread it and I just it's started. a good handout. Yeah. And yeah. so I, I made a handout. It's in the description uh, show notes. And uh, I apologize. It's a, it's like quoting from my Kindle. So it's not like perfectly cited. Okay. But um, <laughs> I read everything in Kindle. My like entire like theological library right here. So um, let's walk through the negative signs. We're not going to do all of them. We'll do some of them. And I'll give you and guys a chance to respond. what you mean by negative signs. Or what uh, I think I did. So, ba- I, But basically, here's like the first negative sign. So it is no <laughs> argument against the work of the Spirit that it is unusual. Okay, so that's a negative sign. Like somebody comes along and says, oh, it's an unusual work. This is strange. Can't be the Spirit of God because it's weird. Okay, and so um, that would be a negative sign. That's no argument against it is what I mean by negative sign. So here's what he says. Uh There is a great aptness in persons to doubt of things that are strange, especially elderly persons, to think that to be right, which uh, to think that to be right, which they have never been used to in their day that they've not been used to and have not heard of in the days of their day and have not heard of. You got to get used to their language and have not heard of in the days of their fathers. But if it be a good argument that a work is not from the spirit of God, that it is very unusual. Then it was so in the apostles' days. The work of the Spirit then was carried on in a manner that in very many respects was altogether new, such as has never been seen or heard since the world stood. The the point that he's making here is you can't just say it's unusual. You can't just say it's strange because when we look at the Bible, Acts chapter 2, that was really unusual. That was really strange. And they accused them of being drunk because of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And I'll be honest, like for me, like it... If I'm just honest with myself, my biggest objection usually to a manifestation is that it's weird and I don't like it, right? Like yes. I want it to not be weird. Like that was like early on, like when my when my future wife first like this is what led me on the charismatic journey. She's <laughs> she's like I have something to confess to you. I'm like what is it? She's like I speak Uh-oh. in tongues. And I was like, "Oh no." I, I like, knew it. It was the worst gift you could have. She wasn't married yet. They it were dating. Was, I know. I it, like it, it threatened the relationship. It was like the worst <laughs> gift you could have, like because it was so weird. I mean, it, it at least like see dead people or something. I mean, that was useful for oh Haley. Joel Os- Osman. I'm joking, joking. Joking. Okay. No, I, I just made a witchcraft joke. Okay. okay. So um, Jonathan Edwards would not have approved. So you guys, what do you it's think of this witchy. whole? What about you? Do you guys have the same experience? Like when it comes to like something's unusual, I don't like it. Do you have that first response in you? Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, not if it's just weird. If it's weird and it seems to be the same person who's always doing the weird thing, then I'm usually yeah, like I'm a little bit like. Eh. So you ever get but that like, in your doesn't church? Doesn't the Bible like, tell us to like on some level be discerning? Yeah. Yeah. So like, if, yeah, but what does if, that mean? If you're saying well, discerning is like if there's something that's happening, like it's your job to look, to weigh, to judge, and sometimes, according to Edwards. You, you don't know until afterward. Okay, well, here's one. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. So, that's true. so like, I think by its nature, we should go... So, ah! okay, so how about this one, all right? I mean, you you guys have seen the Bill Johnson video where, like, a woman walks up with, like, a Gandalf staff and, like... Oh, no. Johnson yeah. is, like, about to speak and, like, a woman walks up and she's like, you shall no, not she goes, pass. She goes, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to mock, but, like, she she's like, this is my favorite movie and, like, yeah. And then she slams the... She gets all the apostolic guys and prophetic guys to put their hand on the staff and they... Okay, that's They the slam... Ones, yeah. It was even more awkward than that because you can tell... Johnson you can tell Johnson was up there going, someone screened these people before we get on stage. Like his face was just like, it was so uncomfortable. Like, okay, what right. are we doing? So, but it's unusual. We can't discount it because it's unusual. Could it have been a work of the spirit of God? Well, I mean, and again, if you look at the Old Testament, you've got certain prophets called to do things that look very unusual. Like one of them marrying a prostitute or yeah. one of them being told to lie on a certain side for however yeah, many that years. Weird. Another one to cook food over dung. Another one to be naked. He's I mean, like, Lord, some... I've never eaten anything unclean. And he's like, okay, cow dog. Yeah. Well, this is where yeah. this is where the positive signs come into play. Because yeah. it's also true that just because it's unusual doesn't mean it's of God, right? 
its unusualness doesn't tell us whether it's of God or not. Well, that's also we need the it's, it's unusualness doesn't tell us anything, and that's the point. It's, that's the point. Just and, because something is unusual doesn't mean anything. It just means it's unusual. Yep. And and, and you leave and, it at that. Then then again, the, the the Gandalf staff wasn't a manifestation as much as it was a hair, this is something the Lord is leading me to do that clearly wasn't checked with the leadership team before it took place on stage. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I would say that that was, again, um, I mean, you're, 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 you're watching a fantasy novel film about witchcraft and trying to imitate that as a way to attempt to get rid of racism. But it's, but it's Lord of the Rings, so it's Christian witchcraft. Well, okay, hold on a second. <laughs> I'll, I'll push I'm back joking. on some okay. of this. Okay, Not come on, I agree with Miller. What did. I, I still think it was crazy. Um, like I, I do. I think that was crazy. Crazy as in, but let's not not in a slanderous way. You're saying crazy as in it wasn't appropriate. I think she was probably off on what she was doing, uh, and maybe shouldn't have done it. But I will say that that the uh, you're calling it a it's not a manifestation. It's something else that she felt like the Lord was leading her to do. But I mean, there are things in Scripture that are very strange that sort of use uh, what would be considered bad as uh, a way of uh, a sort of a spiritual warfare, a juxtaposition between, you know, the God of Israel versus other gods. And so like, I think of Ephesus where they would use amulets and charms to heal the sick. And so God uses something else. He uses the sweat cloth from Paul to do the, to do the, the miraculous works, which is sort of just shows like, look, this worthless thing that, uh, that Paul has the God of Paul, Yahweh, can use this worthless thing. He doesn't have you, to use these precious So you mean that passage and, isn't meant to give us a model of praying over a cloth and mailing it to no, people for 50 bucks? No, it it, it was polemical hey, in nature. Not, it had a specific reason. It just because it's unusual, Michael. <laughs> okay. Come on. Let's keep going. All right. Number two. It is no argument against the work of the Holy Spirit that it profoundly affects the human body with tears, trembling, groans, loud outcries, agonies of the body, or failing of body strength. Here's a quote. He says, We cannot conclude that persons are under the influence of the true spirit because we see such effects upon their bodies, because this is not given as a mark of the true spirit. Nor, on the other hand, have we any reason to conclude from any such outward appearances that persons are not under the influence of the spirit of God, because there is no rule of scripture given to us. So you can't on one hand be like, oh, they're crying, they're trembling, they fall into the ground, they're shrieking. You can't say that's clearly a work of the spirit, nor can you say that's clearly not a work of the spirit. You can actually say nothing on the basis of the manifestation alone. Got it. I mean, would, would it agree? would it be fair to say that if someone is preaching the gospel and there is a ministry of the spirit taking place, that the gift of the prophet is subject to the prophet, that like uh, the God is a God of order and not confusion and everything is to be done decently and in order. And if the preaching of God's word is taking place over here and the spirit is using this person in the gift of teaching here, that he, the whole the same spirit would not cause a distraction over there. Okay, so like that would be argument. And I know, I I know I'm button heads with Jonathan Edwards here, no, so I apologize. Okay, so but I like, want to address well, that I mean, because my God, favorite quote from the entire, my favorite yeah. quote from his entire thing addresses this. He's going to address this I, very I, thing. I, yeah, he does, and it does. It's a good quote. It is such I, a good okay, quote. Okay, let me have it. Okay, as well. So to those who object that God is a God of order, not confusion. To Josh. He's talking to me. Everyone <laughs> hey, hear that? He says it in the Bible. He literally, Corinthians 14. We should want <laughs> with brackets Josh. We should want to have order. Yeah. It's a fair yes. question. Yeah. You know, I mean, Jack Deere tells the story. Is it the Toronto Airport Revival or whatever? Uh the Toronto Vineyard. And um he's speaking. People start breaking out in laughter during his message. He said he felt anger rise up in him. And uh I would probably have the same response if I was preaching the word of God and rude. some thing. I'd be like, why, rude. Why are you doing over there being so rude? I'm talking There's here. more to that story. Maybe I'll tell it later. But um, let's stick with Edwards here. He says, if God is pleased to convince the consciences of persons so that they cannot avoid great outward manifestations, even to interrupting and breaking off those public means they were attending, I do not think this is confusion or an unhappy interruption any more than if a company should meet on the field to pray for rain and should be broken off from their exercise by a plentiful shower. Would to God that all the public assemblies in the land were broken off from their public exercises with such confusion as this the next Sabbath day, 
We need not be sorry for breaking the order of means by obtaining the end to which that order is directed. He who is going to fetch a treasure need not be sorry that he is stopped by meeting the treasure in the midst of his journey. So here's why I love that quote. Because it's a reminder of what the church, the purpose of the church service actually is. It is to meet with God. And so if somebody meets with God, is that what we want to interrupt? So a, a, an example might be Luke chapter 4, Jesus is opening the scroll, Isaiah 61, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. It, it's sermon time. It's a short sermon. He says, it's fulfilled in your midst, <laughs> but immediately afterward. Okay, John Piper with your application points. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's <So>. it. <laughs> but right afterwards, some demons, you're the son of God, you know? So like, what? But wait a second. You're saying that that's a, that's a demonic outburst. It's a demonic. Hold outburst. on, hold on. And I, one, got other examples. But it's a manifestation. I, I could pull some examples. Yeah, give me something, Miller. I don't. The, the, uh, the demon well, one doesn't I mean, count. <laughs> that's that's the Acts one that I. Two is certainly an example. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit itself was certainly interrupting a nice prayer meeting. Uh, the prayers did not continue as before. But, but probably, also probably, we need an example of something that happens during a church service. You mean uh, of some sort of sign or wonder because, in this? Because the verse of First Corinthians fourteen is talking specifically about a church. It's service. talking God about the liturgy. It's talking about the liturgy of a church service. Like, hey, like during the service, like, like in First Timothy, he's like, I went in every place to men to lift up holy hands, praying for people in authority. Like that's part of the liturgy. Like First Corinthians is talking about, I want there to be a teaching, I want there to be prophecy. But hey, don't be talking over each other. Don't be like, don't be, don't get crazy, right? Like, do the stuff, but like, don't do the stuff and get buck wild. Like, so if I'm in a situation. And again, I don't want to say like in no situation is it possible that someone would feel like they're falling into the pit of hell and scream at like this happens in Jonathan Edwards church, right? Mm -hmm. Like he's clawing at the people are clawing at the pews and like Ooh. feel like they, the, the yeah. floors dropped out from under or them and they're falling into the pit of hell. When he, when he preaches right? sinners in the hands of an angry God, That's people were literally standing up and saying, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? Which happens in the book of Acts in Acts chapter two, right? Like. I mean, that's the whole point is that we're trying to get to there. And if like, so if God's doing it. Sure. So there is one little caveat in first Corinthians 14. And it's the fact that Paul has to tell them, Hey, each of you do this in turn. If one prophet speaks and then another one speaks, let the first one remain silent. So there's this indication here that, that there's an interruption uh, on what the first prophet is saying. And a second one is sort of taking over. Um, and that that is actually part of it. Now, these are people I think that are, that are, have the authority to prophesy in that church. I don't think they're unsubmitted to the community as a whole or leadership of the, of the church, but there is a sense in which, um, you know, G God's spirit is not only using that one person and may choose to move to the next. Well, um, there, well there's move to the next. That's not the best term for it, but there's a real question of what, what it really means. The spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophets. Cause I, I think in context, what it means is you can control the spirit of prophecy. Like you don't have to speak out loud. But yeah, so that's you can speaking remain silent. specifically. That's speaking specifically to prophecy, and uh -huh. to your point earlier, that's a little bit different from someone just encountering the Holy Spirit and and I don't know having some trembling well, manifestation. Well, I would say that this well, person. I mean, that, Lisa, that happens in prophecy. They'll fall on their face, declaring. Yeah. God well, you know, I think you. of the Old Testament version when Saul's like chasing down David. I want to say it's First Samuel nineteen would be my guess. He's chasing yeah. David down, and uh, David's like hiding out. I think he's in the tabernacle. He's over there like worshiping. He's like, I don't know. Someone wants to kill me. I'm going to go worship. And and Saul's like, I'm going to kill you. And Saul comes after him. The spirit falls on him, and he falls on the ground. He's on his way when the spirit falls on him at first. And uh, anyway, somehow he ends up on the ground naked. And uh, prophesying. Uh, well, I would just say that that, that <laughs> it's up on the ground naked. <laughs> that's where I would <laughs> where draw the line. Where did clothes suddenly go? <laughs> so this is a this is a really helpful comment. I like it. It's, it seems to me like it's hard to have a checklist in this case. I think it requires the gift of discernment. I, like I think that that would that would actually because again, I think that there are opportunities. People are leaving in the comment section. Like, what about those people that are just trying to draw attention to themselves? That's, Michael that's mentioned the deal. person yeah, who who it's always that person who's doing the spiritual wackiness. And like, I I mean, I remember being seventeen and at a conference, and this girl is wailing on the floor and I come up behind her I like get in her ear and I'm like hey you're kind of being a distraction like I'm a, I'm 17 I'm looking around going like am I the one like am I am yeah. I am I well, the one that's gonna deal with this so I, I walk up to her and I'm like hey like 
you know, can you, you're, you're being a distraction from what the Lord's doing over there. I'm sure he's doing something here and then it's really ministering to you, but that, like, like you're, you're being a distraction. And she just stopped. Yeah. Like she just, I mean, you can call, you can say, I quench the spirit. I mean, I know there's going to be people in the comments who, who are going to be like, Hey, you got to just let that stuff roll. But it was a massive distraction. You can imagine the unbelievers in the room yeah. that are just like, there's just a person wailing. I got to get out of here. Like they're going to start passing the Kool-Aid <laughs> I, soon. Like I kind of, well, I, cause I think, so God of order church service, that really does matter. And Paul is trying to keep the meeting from being too like just ridiculous chaotic. On the other hand, I think Edwards does make a good point. If you're seeking God and then someone encounters God, why are you going to stop that? That's the whole point of the service. You're trying to get people to meet with God. So I think that this is where it does require discernment. Maybe I can finish this, the Jack story here. So uh, he's preaching in the in the Toronto Vineyard, and his text is Isaiah 55. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. He's reading it. It actually gets interrupted with holy laughter. And he's he's feeling angry in the moment, and then he like looks down his text, and he's like, uh, maybe I shouldn't say anything. <laughs> so he lets it ride, but he's not very comfortable with it. Anyway, he does like investigation afterward, finds out who this person is, interviews her over a long period of time. Come to find out, this woman had been seriously depressed for like long, long, long period of time. Like everyone around her is like, I've never seen her smile, I've never seen her laugh. After that moment. And from then forward, she was a completely changed person. So in that case, it seems to have been a good thing. Yeah. And um, and that's going to be Edward's point throughout this is that the evidence is really in the fruit of life change. And that's and I think to me, that's I, I want to take every single one of these situations case by case, because some people will hear that and just go, hey, we just let everything happen. But I think, again, to, to the point of the person in the comment, God has gifted the body um, with mechanisms that defend mm-hmm. the body against agents that look like they are um, a part of the body, but are actually a virus of some kind, right? Mm-hmm. And and this would be that kind of situation. God has pre-built the body of Christ with certain defense mechanisms that can detect these kinds of things to discern if they really are the Spirit of God or something foreign. Yeah. So I would just say each of these, just like Edwards would say, each of these are case-by-case situations, and many times we won't know until afterward. Yep. Um, so Absolutely. I'm down with so- that. Okay, just experientially speaking here, um, I've been in churches where this stuff happens uh, plenty. Oh, yeah, me too. And and there's some stuff that I think is just absolutely fake, and it needs to be addressed. And then there's some stuff, and, and here here's from, I'm going to kind of make a side point here. Um, in a church service, if it's a church that's small enough, where you usually know the people in the community, if something were to randomly happen to someone you know, you're probably not going to question that if that person is not uh, has not ever done that doesn't isn't prone to doing stuff like that then I, I'm not going to be looking at it going oh well is that of God is it not of God and and I, I think of this because this literally happened to my wife um, we were in church meeting she got prayer this was at the end of the service uh, during the ministry time uh, she got prayer for one of our leaders and the next thing you know she is just laughing and crying and uh i i mean for lack of a better term drunk in the spirit as what you you know people typically talk about now that's never happened to me uh and it's never happened to my wife before nor since it happened one time and my wife is not prone to doing that kind of stuff and if anything she's sort of laughed and scorned you know and, and mocked it in the past uh to which now she regrets um so i, I guess the the example I'm giving is um, I, my point in, in making this as an example is there is a way for those of us who are pastors in churches to have uh, some semblance of whether or not this is probably God or not. And it's that we know yeah. the people we're pastoring. Yeah, that's true. Between knowing the people that you're pastoring and and honestly, and this is part of what's what's hard of being a pastor of a church where you're allowing for the leadership of the Holy Spirit and you're not so glued to your liturgy that nothing can literally ever change is you're having to make real-time decisions of what does the Spirit want right now. Yeah. Now, with that said, it's hard. I mean, we have a real liturgy that we we follow almost every time, right? But there are times when the Spirit breaks in and He does something and and there has to be a uh, responsiveness to the Spirit to know what to do and and how to respond. If somebody's going to do something crazy, how could respond uh, just to each of these situations? So uh, let's let's keep moving forward, okay? So um, I was just going to say, we would all affirm, and this is a quick question, that someone 
manifesting, whether it be falling, shaking, laughing, screaming, any of those things, it can be the flesh, it can be God, it can be the devil. We all agree with that, right? Yep. So just because they fall over doesn't mean it's God, doesn't mean it's a devil, right? It yeah, the manifestation itself well, doesn't so, mean much anything. Yeah, and, so and, and I might actually jump ahead to section three where uh, where Edward starts to apply all this. Um, and, and so in section three, he's, um, this is my sort of summary of what he says, be exceedingly careful about judging who is part of the Christian community and who is not before the appointed uh, day. And so here's what he says. Um, they therefore do greatly err who take it upon themselves positively to determine who are sincere and who are not to draw the dividing line between true saints and hypocrites and to separate between sheep and goats, setting the one on the right hand and the other on the left and to distinguish and gather out the tares from among the wheat. Then he adds, to suppose that men have the ability and right to determine the state of souls of visible Christians, and so to make an open separation between saints and hypocrites, carries it in an inconsistency, for it supposes that God has given men power to, to make another visible church within the visible church. Okay, so this is more of like, kind of like an addendum to what we've said, mm-hmm. because we've been talking about just how do you discern in the moment, but this kind of goes beyond the moment because what happens when manifestations are happening a lot is that people want to say, well, those people are just total fakers. Those mm-hmm. people are are totally not fakers. And we have to be careful. Now, it's one thing, Miller, in your situation when you were just talking about like you know the person. Maybe you know mm-hmm. that they have a certain kind of personality. But um, this is what we're talking about, you know, in the Chris Roseboro video. Like these are, uh, you know pigeonholing entire swaths of Christianity is non-Christian. And um, and so that's what was happening in the revival at the time was people were saying, these people are not even like legit Christians that they would have these manifestations. That's something we have to be really careful of. Uh, I would agree. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, what he, he mentions this. And I, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. We're already at 30 minute mark. Michael, are we sure. are we burning through your stuff? Because we would agree with that. Yeah, yeah. Do you have anything to add to that, Miller? No, no. Yeah, why don't, no. Why don't we... I'd like to get through these negative signs. I'm going to read three in a row. Okay. Okay. And then we'll move to the positive sides so that we'll be able to spend like the last half of our time on that. Cool. Okay. So uh, because these are all related, Uh, it's no argument against the work of the spirit that those who experience it do foolish and unbiblical things. He says, the end for which God pours out his spirit is to make men holy and and not to make them politicians. It is no wonder that in a mixed multitude of all sorts, wise and unwise, young and old, weak and strong, natural abilities, under strong impressions of mind, that there are many who behave themselves imprudently. In other words, if God's going to pour out his spirit on a bunch of people who aren't necessarily starting out in a great place, there's going to be a little craziness mixed in. (laughs) Um, Next one. It's no argument against the work of the spirit that there are also errors and judgments and satanic delusions intermixed with it. If many delusions of Satan appear, he says, at the same time that a great religious concern prevails, it is not an argument that the work in general is not a work of God, any more that is an argument uh, that was an argument in Egypt that there were no true miracles wrought there by the hand of God because Jonas and Jambres uh, wrought false miracles at the same time by the Uh-oh. hand of the devil. Uh-oh, Edwards. Uh-oh. Yeah. Sound like charismatic there, buddy. Yeah, there you go. So <laughs> um, so we should ex- we can't discount, and this is what we've said, people are always asking us about Bethel. Yeah, right? Kundalini. And, yeah, and we've tried to say you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater if there's some wrong stuff mixed in. Edward's point is you should actually expect that. You can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Satan's going to dilute at the same time. Okay, last one. It's no argument against the work of the Spirit that some who experience him powerfully later fall into error and scandal. Uh, he says that there were some counterfeits. Is no argument that nothing is true. Such things are always expected in a time of reformation. He walks through church history and, and the Bible, but maybe I'll just finish with this. Therefore, the devil sowing such tares is no proof that a true work of the Spirit of God is not gloriously carried on. What do you guys think of all those together? I like it. Miller wants to say, yeah, that sounds great. Contemporary uh, example where this applies. Okay, so uh, in particular with, I mentioned it a second ago, Kundalini, you mentioned um, Bethel. Um, I think our conditions with Bethel primarily are that of theological contentions and not that of manifestations. manifestations. Because again, yeah. we would we would we would look at those situations and go, um, I mean, just depend. I don't know, man. It and maybe maybe I'll, I can misspeak here. I think that there are manifestations that we can see that we can have some measure of confidence if we have discernment to say that's demonic. 
right? Mm -hmm. So again, I'm not going to say every video I've ever seen, I'm going to go, oh, that could be God, right? I'm not saying that either. Um, but what I am saying uh, is uh, we're, we're not judging Bethel based off of the manifestations because I've seen manifestations um, by ministers whom I trust and love and that I've been around personally of people who were demon-possessed uh, in altars that we were praying for people. Now, some people have seen the moment we laid our hands on them, that person begin to erupt and they go, look what you imparted through the laying on of hands. And it's like, no, uh, that person just had a devil. And when we begin to pray for them, that devil manifests, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, so again, I think people see videos of people praying for people and then suddenly something starts happening and they go, look, 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 they imparted a demon. Mm -hmm. It's like, settle down. Like that's, if you've, if you've never cast out a demon before, you should probably chill. Like you, and, and if you've never cast out a demon before, there's these missions trips to these like really dark countries you should probably check out yeah. because there are really devils out there that you you really have authority over. And anyway, neither here nor there. Uh, but but just to say that um, uh, I, I think that there are manifestations that we can see and go have a measure of confidence that it is demonic. Would you guys so, agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. Th there's something else I would ask, or I mean, I would I'd mention this is we, we, we tend to have this, it's either the devil or it's God. And I think there's a problem with that because often the devil being exposed is God himself exposing them. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So when when a demon is being expelled from somebody, it's because the power of the spirit is there for that demon to be subjugated, right? And, mm -hmm. and you see multiple examples in the scriptures of these things leaving violently, not politely and cleanly, but violently. Yep. Um and then you, you see other examples. I mean, one example in particular I think of is uh, it says that Jesus asked the the devil its name, right? You know, what, what's your name? It says we're legion because we're many. But it says right before that, for Jesus had been saying, come out of him. Mm -hmm. And the implication is there was an ongoing work of the spirit and it wasn't as instantaneous and clean as we would like to think that it is, even with Jesus. Right. And yeah. so... Yeah, I, I think there's there's just a, some confusion there where people just they're they're too black and white on a not so clear issue. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna quote this question from Floyd Visser. He says in the chat, "Why do you need to accept at face value antidotes and unverifiable experiences rather than seeking the teaching of the Bible truth?" Um, just to be clear, that's definitely not what we're saying. Um, and what Edwards does through this by beginning with these negative signs is he's saying. You just can't discount it on these things. He's not saying that you have to receive everything at face value. And you right. might remember earlier, we said you. Uh, he says you can't tell either way. And, and the and again, this is going to be the big thing: is yeah. let's look at the fruit. Let's look for the positive signs. But Edwards is responding contextually to what's happening in his day, where people are pointing to things to discount it, but rather than. Uh, actually, looking, you 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 refer to the uh, the teaching of biblical truth. Rather than looking to the teach, teaching of biblical truth, what these people are saying, it's weird. I don't like it. It must be the devil, or they're saying, uh, you know, there are some hypocrites in their mixed. It must be the whole thing is the devil. And he's saying none of these things by themselves mean that the whole thing is the devil. So he's so we're not we're not affirming or non-affirming to uh any of the manifestations at this point. Edwards isn't. He's just simply saying none of these things mean anything. Is the manifestation and, of God you cannot tell by just watching them, you know, have that manifestation. So the, there's something else to that is the fact that some manifestations actually give testimony to what the scriptures teach. Right. When a demon gets expelled and a person is healed who was once blind and mute, then you can go, look, you guys, this is the fulfillment. Uh, once again, Jesus is doing what he's always done right here in Scripture. And it can be used as an abject lesson, a, a visceral example of the Scriptures being true once again. Yeah. Um, I, I just I think there's a sense in which if those things are happening, then the teaching of the word is not happening. And that's not true. Um, yeah, Jesus. It's, if anything, it's an teach, application of what the scriptures are actually doing. Yeah, Jesus seemed to teach pretty well. And there was this guy, uh, he had a demoniac. And when he cast out the demon and it went into a herd of pigs, the entire city came out to see him. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, uh, you know, so, so, or, or the woman at the, at, at the, at the well, right, displays, like, well, those are all just subjective experiences. That's not teaching. And it's like, yeah, but the whole city came out to see Jesus on both of these occasions. Like, that's pretty intense stuff. Uh -huh. Like, these Gentile nations were swarming to come to Christ because it's like, look, that man who had an encounter is now clothed 
and in his right mind. So you look at the fruit of it. You look at the fruit of it. Yeah. I feel like we're going somewhere with this, Michael. Yeah, yeah. So my prophetic gift is tingling. <laughs> I read the outline. Well, <laughs> yeah. So we're gonna move into we're gonna move into the positive signs now. Okay. And lots of people talking about gold teeth in the chat. So you guys are gonna need to find some time to bring in the gold teeth later. Okay. We'll uh, get to that. I've seen that. Okay. So first John four. Uh, it, I, I'm just going to read the first few verses just so you can get a, a sense for it before we get into Edwards, because this is what as Edwards is uh, expositing here. But, uh, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they're from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Every spirit that does not confess Jesus is from is not from God. That's the Antichrist, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, uh, and then he goes on. You can read the rest on your own later. Uh, but here's Edward's first comment uh, on these verses. He says, it is a sure sign. How do we know it's the work of the Holy Spirit? It is a sure sign of the work of the Holy Spirit when Jesus' life, death, resurrection, and salvation are more deeply confirmed in people's hearts. Quote, this sign the apostle gives us in the second and third verses of 1 John 4, King James Version, hereby know ye that the Spirit of God and every spirit that confe- uh, hereby ye, jeez, <laughs> I need to work on my King James, don't I? <laughs> Know ye. Yeah, your old English is lacking there, I was Michael. trying to go fast, man. Hereby know <laughs> ye interpre- the that Spirit of God, and every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ Ooh. is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. He says, this implies a confessing, not only that there was such a person who appeared in Palestine and did and suffered those things that are recorded of him, but that he was Christ, i.e. the Son of God, anointed to be Lord and Savior as the name Jesus Christ implies. It is also to be observed that the word confess, as it is often used in the New Testament, signifies more than merely allowing it. It implies an establishing and a confirming of a thing by testimony and declaring it with manifestation of esteem and affection, as it is in Matthew ten thirty two. Whoever confesses me before men, I'll confess before my Father in heaven. Okay, so point being... If this manifestation leads to a greater making much of Jesus, if it leads to a greater sense of his uh, uh, of appreciation for his life and death and resurrection, if it's a gospel-centered thing, if it's not just all about me, and and you know, this is I think where we talked a little bit about the exhibitionism that it kind of becomes a little a thing about me. If it's about Jesus and it deepens the sense of who he is and what he has done. This is a sure sign of the Spirit of God, he says, based on First John 4. What thinketh ye? Miller, you want to start? I, I've actually got a, a, a reference in a book that I'm looking through right now. You want to jump in? Oh, I don't I don't even know where to say on that. I'm like, yes. Yeah. I, so, I don't have any, well, okay, I I have any comments on it. If you're looking for yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, it, you, he makes another, he has another quote that, like, he says, to be clear, I'm not talking about any mystical, fantastical Christ, such as the light within um, this is the spirit of Quaker, that which the spirit of the Quakers extols, and it diminishes their esteem and dependence on the outward Christ or Jesus as uh-huh. he came in the flesh. Okay, so what, what he's really talking about here, because there's an emphasis in 1 John 4 that Jesus came in the flesh. That's right. And we talked about this on a recent show where it was like, hey, just because somebody meet, says the name Jesus doesn't mean they're talking about the same Jesus. That's right, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. for some people, Jesus is like a, a rabbit's foot. He's like a good luck charm. Uh, they're not uh, talking about the Mormon life, religion. death, and resurrection of Jesus. They're just talking about, like, uh, you know, just give Jesus your money and Jesus will make you rich. And Jesus is kind of like a name to them who makes them rich. Or or maybe if it's Mormonism, they've got a different version of Jesus, etc. And, and so he's emphasizing the fullness of the gospel is life, death, and resurrection. So like in in the this book, it's really cool. You should go check it out. Uh, it's in the description with our recommended reading section. It's called Strangers to Fire. Um, so you're familiar with John MacArthur's Strange Fire. A bunch of theologians got together and put some articles together. There's like over 50 articles in here with tons of charismatic theologians that talk about this. Phenomenal stuff. But in one of the, one of the articles, uh, I think MacArthur makes a claim like P- Pentecostal charismaticism has done nothing so extreme. Not, like just it's just it's like again broad brushing so and overstatements of like has made no impact on world mission is a no impact on using Jonathan Edwards's frame to say is, has made no impact to committing people to the scripture but just to the experience and uh, William uh, William de Artega 
he is PhD Anglican bishop. Uh, I want to say bishop. He maybe should be Anglican. Uh, anyway, he was talking about the charismatic renewal and how the Anglican Church and the Episcopal Church were one and the same, and the Episcopal Church had been infected with a lot of the kind of what we see as progressive Christianity today. Mm-hmm. They were denying the authority of the Scripture. They lived in a naturalistic worldview. They were saying, look, we can determine all these things by science. The supernatural things don't actually take place. Um if supernatural things don't take place and there are no miracles, and can we believe uh, in authority? Uh, can we can we believe or have any uh, confidence in the supernatural claims of the Bible, or were these just uneducated people who were trying to make uh, make sense of mysterious things that they couldn't explain? Uh, therefore, if that is the case, then Jesus couldn't have risen from the dead; he couldn't have been born of a virgin. And, and they started pushing away from the authority and inspiration of the Scripture. But at the charismatic renewal, at the light of the charismatic renewal, they begin to. See see supernatural manifestations of the Spirit. Some were healing, some were falling over, some were prophesying. They were seeing these manifestations, and these people with a naturalistic worldview were going, oh no, we've been wrong. And if this is true, if we can believe God to manifest this truth here in a supernatural spiritual way, then the spiritual claims of the Bible must also be authentic. Right, it actually caused the believers to go, or the the unbelievers. If you, I mean, if you get my opinion on it, like it caused the unbelievers to go, oh no, maybe we're wrong. Maybe the Bible is true. Uh, maybe the truth claims yeah. about Christ being born of a virgin and dying and raising from the dead are authentic. Yeah. And in fact, uh, talking about the incarnationality of it all, this could drive people to believing the scriptures more. Yeah, as I would right. say, so that's actually that's actually point. been. Oh, sorry, I was going to no. say that was actually my experience. Um, I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit where I was crying and wailing at the top of my lungs. And uh, I just knew it was God because I was praying that I would experience God's power. And I didn't even know what that was. But after the fact, guess what I did? I started praying more. I started reading my Bible more. Suddenly, the Bible began to open up in a way that I hadn't seen previously. Like I, I would no longer pass over stories of healings as though these are just stories from ancient history. I was now looking at it going, okay, so when we pray for blind people, uh, do mm-hmm. I need to, you know, spit in the mud and or spit in the dirt and make mud? <laughs> asking and, different questions. Like I, yeah, I was asking totally different questions and I, and I was going to the scriptures to get those answers because, and I never went to those scriptures to get those answers because I didn't even think it was a possibility. Mm-hmm. So yeah. all of that changed for me. That's good. So, because really what we touched on, so we've got, you, you know, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, but then both of you guys have referenced the scriptures, which is actually another point that uh, that Edwards makes as a positive sign. Um, and, and here's what he says. It's a sure sign of the work of the Holy Spirit when, in, when it intensifies a love for Holy Scripture. Here's a quote directly. This rule the apostle gives us in the sixth verse. He says, we are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby we know the spirit of truth, and the spirit of error. Edward says, when when he says we are of God, what he means is we the apostles are sent forth of God and appointed by him to teach the world and to deliver those doctrines uh, and instructions which are to be the rule. And in other words, what he's saying is the we, he's he's talking about the apostles, and uh, and so to say that we are of God, we are the apostles who wrote the Holy Scripture. So this is the point that he's, um, that he's making. And uh, he goes on to say this, To the law and to the testimony is never the cry of those evil spirits that have no light in them. For it is God's own direction to discover their delusions. Isaiah 8, 19 and 20. Quote, And when they shall say unto you, Seek unto them that have familiar spirits, and unto wizards that peep and that mutter. Oh, no. Should not a people seek unto their God for the living to the dead? To the law and to the testimony. If they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. Uh, and I like that reference to uh, to Isaiah eight there because it it shows that like the person who doesn't have God doesn't want to go to the law and to the mm-hmm. testimony. And and it is in the context of wizards that peep and mutter, but basically demonic manifestations. And so a mm-hmm. demon doesn't a demon doesn't want to go to the scripture. That's right. And 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 that's that's one of those things that when we when we talk about um, these manifestations. Um, you can ask about the fruit of a person's life, mm-hmm. right? And and you really want that clarity and that nearness 
is there is there love is there joy is there peace there's patience there's kindness there's goodness there's gentleness there's self-control are are these the things that these people are manifesting in their day-to-day life and then the additional to that there is an objective reality of saying like are they preaching the scriptures are they preaching christ because mm-hmm. like we said just just a moment ago uh when, when referencing first john that if someone comes in a false spirit the very first thing that you're going to begin to notice is they begin to preach a false christ mm-hmm. and again those are those objective theological realities that we can use to confirm and deny things um there was a a, a young girl um i hope she doesn't mind me sharing her name uh, I don't know why she would. Um, I, I discipled her. Her name is Channing. And when she was a part of our youth group, uh, she was like, I want to say 12 or 13 when she first started coming to our youth group. And when the Holy Spirit, she would feel the Holy Spirit, um, she would begin to to kind of manifest. She would do this thing with her hands where she would shake, right? And then I do Q&A at the end of services and stuff. And she kind of just asked me about that. And I was like, yeah, could be God. You know, it could just be you, the first time you experienced God that way, you think that it's necessary to respond that way. Um, it certainly could be demonic, but I believe that God's given you a spirit of self-control uh, and wisdom to kind of figure this out. I don't think that that uh, it's necessarily involuntary. Mm-hmm. And after saying that, she just never did it again. And I think that, frankly, like when we talk to people, that we give them permission to say, you know, you don't have to do that. You know, like as a pastor, like I love you, but like I don't think you're more spiritual if you do that. And I don't think you're less spiritual if you don't do that. Uh, frankly, um, maybe that happened one time and you feel like like this manifestation is how we authenticate God's spirit. Um, it's not. Um, you know, we're going to judge each of these things. And frankly, the fruit of our life is ridiculous. I'd yeah. take Channing to go minister to a Mormon before I take either of you jokers. Like she's <laughs> she's kind of a rock star when it yeah. comes to You know that my family is Mormon, right? Uh, yeah, but especially you, Miller. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I did such a good job already. <laughs> well, are they still Mormon? Yeah, uh, uh, some of them. Yeah. yeah. So this is what he says is the sh- is the surest sign of the work of the Holy Spirit is that it promotes love toward God and man. Yeah. And he says the reason it's the surest sign is that in First John four it's the most mentioned, and he mentions all the verses. But I'll read a little section. He says this sign, uh, this sign, the apostle insists upon from the sixth verse to the end of the chapter. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love, etc. Here it is evident, Jonathan Edwards says, that the apostle is still comparing those two sorts of persons that are influenced by the opposite kinds of spirits, and mentions love as a mark by which we may know who has the true spirit. But this is especially evidenced by the 12th and 13th verses. He quotes them, and then he says, Therefore, this last mark which the apostle gives of the true spirit, he seems to speak of as being the most imminent. And he just goes, he goes on and he talks about it, but love for God and people is the biggest thing. Yeah. And that's, I mean, we see that all the time when we're, when we're watching, I mean, frankly, it's interesting because we can watch a video. How do I say this without getting fleshy? I can watch (laughs) 60 hours, 80 hours of prophets getting up there, prophets, I'm using air quotes here, getting up there and totally getting it wrong, right? Like we did that for the for the eight-hour mm-hmm. prophecy marathon yeah. where we judge prophecy, trying to be obedient to Scripture. And I, I watched 99.9% of them absolutely flop and fail horribly. Um, and I did not walk away. I didn't lose any sleep. I wasn't angry. I wasn't like, man, you know, these people are just, but then I watch some of these discernment guys talk about Christians who profess Christ rightly, and it's like there's no love for God or people there. There's no fear mm-hmm. of God there, Absolutely. Uh, and there's no love of people. That's a superiority complex. And I'll tell you, I cannot watch much of that stuff because it stirs in me a because you're you're talking about God's people. Like I've got, I've got no reason to believe, and I know this offends people. I've got no reason to believe that Bill Johnson and Todd White are not brothers in Christ. Now, do I think that they're faithful teachers that you should follow? Not necessarily. But do I believe they're Christian brothers? Yeah. And like, when you get up there and you start saying that, you, like these guys, you start mocking and slandering these guys for yeah. fun. It's like, dude, you, 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 if you were to get up there and say, hey, like, I don't think that that's faithful teaching. Like, I don't think he handled that text well. Man, I really disagree with that. Like, dude, yes and amen. And I, you might even get some like and shares from me. But like, you're going to get up there and mock children of God. Like, that—that that is a sign of more demonic well, activity, I mean, in my opinion, 
than or manifestations. even mocking those who are not of God. If if your posture I mean, is, is, is to good. mock in general, like whether they're believers or unbelievers, I'm going. I, I don't really care to listen to that. I heard that. Yeah. Um, you know, I had I had what I shared on Monday. I had plenty of reason to to mock. Uh, That's right. I, I didn't do that because I actually care about those people, mm-hmm. uh, people in general. Um, and so I, I just don't think there's any justification for mocking unless it's like you know me being playful with a buddy and mocking myself or uh sure, sure. for something you know yeah picking right. on you um, picking on you for you know yeah, yeah. being a mormon it's, witness you know, yeah <laughs> exactly uh, well, good, good there's, example. there's a there's a good question in here um uh someone said hey i disagree with you about uh the scriptures right satan in genesis 3 he brings up the scriptures yeah, no i thought it's, about that while i was saying yeah it. and then he he would probably even bring up satan in the wilderness and bring the wilderness, up scriptures to jesus scriptures but again all the heresies throughout church history have had a scripture verse attached to them but they've right. all handled the scripture like the serpent in genesis 3 <laughs> and like the serpent when he goes to jesus in the wilderness intentionally distorting and misrepresenting the scriptures uh and, and causing people to yeah. question and doubt the scriptures yeah and I, I didn't use quite the right word when I said Satan would want to avoid the scriptures. Really, what I was trying to say to to reinforce Edward's point, Edward's point was really just the devil does not esteem the scriptures. He does not esteem truth. So when you see somebody growing in their esteem for the word of God, that's a pure and that's true a, mark. That's of a the great way to. Spirit. So yeah, um, a good way to nuance it. Here, here are the here are the ways he. Uh, so we, uh, summary positive marks, and you can look this up in the study guide uh, that we've attached, uh, a true mark of the Spirit of God, a work of the Spirit of God, one, lifts up Jesus. Two, we didn't talk about this one, but opposes sin and the devil. Three, esteems Scripture, and just generally, that which is true. Um, four, promotes love. In short, manifestations, shaking, groaning, crying out, you cannot tell whether it is a work of the spirit of God or the work of the devil or the work of one's own flesh just by looking at the manifestation alone. You have to see if it has those true marks based on 1 John 4. Uh, I want to read one more uh, one more section that convicted me and I felt like our people just really especially needed to hear. And this was in a... Why'd you look at me when you said that, Michael? Because you need to hear it, Josh. Dang it. And this is just how do we respond to things... Uh, okay, so there's one thing if it's happening in your local church. It's another thing if it's happening in another local church. Okay, yeah. so Bethel, it's in Redding, California. Okay, how much can we ascertain about uh, a church that far away? Now, their teachings, we can evaluate quite well from a distance because we have them on video, right? Right. Um, and, and we can just judge their words against the Scripture as we could any church. Um, but manifestations, what I find is there's just... There's a lot of hearsay. There's a lot of rumors about this happened, that happened. And Edwards addresses this. Same thing happened in his day. He says, It is indeed to be wondered at that those who have doubted of the work which has been attended with such uncommon external appearances should be easy in their doubts. So he's criticizing them for being too easily doubtful. Without taking thorough pains to inform themselves by going where such things have been uh, to be seen, narrowly observing and diligently inquiring of them, these people have not, have contented the, have not contented themselves with aver- observing just two or three instances, nor resting till they were fully informed by their own observation. How greatly have they erred who only come from the uncertain proofs of others have ventured to speak slightly of these things. Okay, so in short, what he's what he's saying is these people aren't like legitimately investigating; they're hearing someone else's investigation, which is maybe not even much of an investigation. Edwards is saying, come check out the work yourself and don't just inquire from two or three places. Go everywhere, like do a thorough search. I mean, this is kind of like the same idea as a first Corinthians 15 when Paul's writing like, hey, 500 people saw Jesus alive, raised from the dead. Many of them are still alive today. He's inviting them, go investigate for themselves. Like the person who hears that and shrugs their shoulders, like, "Eh, I don't really need to investigate. I've got enough right now. So he's encouraging a thorough investigation one. But then here's the one that really got me. He says, there is no kind of sin so hurtful and dangerous to the souls of men as those committed against the Holy Ghost. We had better speak against God the Father or the Son than to speak against the Holy Spirit and his gracious operations on the hearts of men. Nothing will so much tend forever to prevent our having, our having any benefit of his operations on our own souls. 
And so I just think this is a caution for us. Now, he's obviously he's talking about the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, which we'd have to do a whole episode about to talk about what, exactly what that is. And we have before. Uh, and we've at least mentioned it in episodes. Um, but the point is, uh, you don't want to criticize works of the Holy Spirit. And, and you really want to be careful about criticizing something that someone else is claiming a work of the Holy Spirit of God. Like, you better be dang sure that that's a work of the devil if you're going to call it a work of the devil. Now, would it also be fair to say that something that is demonic we shouldn't allow to be called a work of the Spirit? Well, is certainly. it just as dangerous? Yeah. I, I'm only saying that because I, I what I see often is that any charismatic that uses any measure of discernment when manifestations take place, the very first people thing that people did, in my experience, as a kid growing up, as I was watching these manifestations take place, and I was seeing people who had these manifestations go to jail, get abortions, those kinds of things, right after, right, after they had a touch from God, and I was like, I don't know, man, that doesn't seem like good fruit. And so, oh, don't blaspheme the Holy Spirit. I'm like, well, wait a but second. But you wouldn't be blaspheming the Holy Spirit yeah, there because you'd be looking at you'd be looking right. at the sure signs. And I'm, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying, guys, let's let's make sure that we don't use, don't blaspheme I mean, the Holy Spirit Ed, as Edward's entire an excuse not to judge. About, I mean, remember at the very beginning I said, right. don't be naive. Don't yep. accept everything. Don't accept nothing. Be discerning. It's that, it's that middle ground between skeptic and simpleton, <laughs> right? Like there, there's this discerning space that Christians have to walk in for sure. But um, what I see, and especially in the age of Twitter and social media and everybody's got an opinion about something, sure. we're just so quick with very little investigation. All we need is an internet meme to call somebody the devil, you know, to tell somebody that their ministry is of the devil, right? Like all we need is just a very little information. And that's what I just think we need the fear of God. We should be trembling before the Almighty. Like, uh, you know, when when Paul brings his criticism, we'll talk about this next week when we when we talk Chris Roseboro. Um, when Paul brings his criticisms, it he has, you know, he has tears in his eyes. Like yeah. this is there's a fear and trembling, a holy reverence before the Lord. There is a time to call people out. We did a whole video on false teachers and false teachings. There's a time for yep. it. I just think we've got to be really careful about calling things the work of the devil that others are calling the work of the spirit. Let's just let's get our facts straight before we're gonna do it. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. So so be be willing. You eagerly say right, wrong, ball strike, right? Yeah. Just Good do a teaching, thorough investigation. But then when talking about those spiritual works, you 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 do your work. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Do your homework. That's yeah. that's that's really encouraging because again, it's not to say don't don't study, don't look. It's in fact an, an invitation to go study, go look, go look at the character, right. go look at the fruit, and, go and look it's at the different doctrine. from teaching because if I hear somebody say Jesus is not the Son of God, that I don't have to do any investigation. Right. Like I know that's wrong, but if there's a manifestation that somebody's having, and I'm just gonna up and call it the devil because I saw a 10 second YouTube clip, I'm just saying it's dangerous territory. I agree. I can get down with there's, that. There's a uh, tendency today amongst those who are skeptical of those things to overinflate the power of the enemy to deceive. Um, and so they'll say, well, I can't go investigate because I don't want to catch whatever evil thing is going on over there. Yeah, don't do that. And I, I would just say that that's, that's, you have a very big devil if that's what you're thinking. That yeah. somehow by trying to do your homework and investigate truth claims that that somehow means that you're going to be afflicted by the enemy. Um, I, I, yeah, I'd say you, you've overinflated the power of the enemy in that moment. Yeah, so um, someone that goes by the name of Butternut Squash asks, is Chris Rosebro <laughs> coming on the show? Uh, we are doing a response to something that some of the things that Chris has been saying recently, um, not in necessarily into response to us, um, but we we are going to do a response video. We don't really want to leak too much of what we're talking about uh, in that video. Uh, but that's going to be next Wednesday as our plan. Uh, we're going to be doing that response video. It'll be a public response video. There will be an invitation to Chris to come on and debate, though. Uh, if he wants to come on the show, uh, it will be under the grounds of debate. Um, but nothing else. Um, anyway, uh, that's that is what we're we're doing. Uh, upcoming shows coming down the pipe. You've got them right there. Uh, Solomon on sex, theonomy, Chris Roseboro, assurance, theosis, the 10 minute Bible man, 
10-minute Bible hour guy. Uh, lots of really cool stuff coming down the pipe. And, and if you didn't know, yesterday, nobody knows, we haven't told anybody this, yesterday we did a video with another cessationist who told us a lot of stories that sound a very... whole lot like prophecy and healing. <laughs> um, so we, we joked with him and we said, uh, Dr. Spiegel, we're going to name this video uh, our, our healing uh, prophetic, what do we call him? No, the healing prophet cessationist friend, uh, something to that effect. Uh, cessationist brother in Christ, loves the Lord, uh, but some cool stories on how the Lord speaks to him. And it, it helps, again, blur some of those lines between continuation and cessationism that I think need to be. I'm sure, you shouldn't uh, should just blurred. call it continuism and denial. There you go. Yeah, yeah, there it is. Uh, he's uh, it, We did a great Patreon video on it. So if you haven't signed up for Patreon, you should sign up for Patreon. A lot of people are signing up these yeah, days. Yeah, it's because and the Kingdom of the Cult is coming out. Yeah, that book we've, study. we've got a lot of really cool videos coming out too, like the one we just had with Dr. Spiegel. Had a very fascinating take with a look at church history on... Um, on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, so yeah, which he views as kind of like a spectrum. So you can hear him talk about that. We spent about 15, 20 minutes on it. So uh, anyway, guys, that's the episode for this week. Hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you check out that study guide. Much more thorough treatment there. Yeah. And uh, and honestly, you can buy the, I mean, you can just look online. You can read the whole the whole thing for yourself. I always buy things on, like I said, on my Kindle. It's 99 cents. It's nicely formatted. But uh, anyway, thanks so much for joining us. Hit that subscribe button, and we'll see you guys next week. Smash it. Smash the subscribe button. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed that episode of Remnant Radio. Uh, if you like this video, we actually put together a playlist that has a whole bunch of content just like what is in this video. So I hope you enjoy. And if you got a little bit of extra spare time, maybe check out some of those other videos. I want to thank Kairos Classrooms for sponsoring this episode of Remnant Radio. And if you're out there, you've ever wondered, hey, I wonder if learning a biblical language would be a supplemental tool for me to help me in my biblical studies. Well, you need to check out Kairos Classrooms. They offer Greek and Hebrew classes that can help teach you and train you. It's a live classroom environment with actual students and actual live teachers, and they help teach you the biblical languages of Greek and Hebrew. And you need to check out Kairos Classrooms today. There's a link in the description, and you can use the promo code REMNANT to get 10% off. These classes are already crazy affordable, but with the promo code REMNANT, R-E-M-N-A-N-T, you'll get 10% off of Kairos Classrooms. So check that out today. And thank you so much for Kairos for sponsoring this episode of REMNANT Radio.